Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Support for this episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting, home of the Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, Flight School. MIPS Flight School helps clinicians earn their highest possible MIPS score in a group coaching setting and at an affordable price. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Rachel Trobman is sitting down with us today to talk about a comprehensive health application for chronic pain patients. She's tackling pain for patients in a comprehensive manner and making it truly easy to share your information with your doctors. So let's take a listen. My name is Rachel Trobman. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Upside Health. And we're a digital health company that's dedicated to reducing the economic and emotional impact of chronic pain. Um, Chronic pain is something that is near and dear to me as both a patient and a caretaker. So growing up, my mom had lupus and my brother had cystic fibrosis. And so I was no stranger to complex health conditions and complex health systems, right? You go to a lot of different doctors and go to a lot of different imaging with those. Um, And so in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with a rheumatologic condition, which had a strong pain component. But I didn't, I realized I was at a really unique advantage, albeit kind of, you know, unfortunate one, is that I knew all of these things. Um, I knew what to do when, you know, that there is such a thing as a good patient provider match. I knew what it was like to take control of my health data. I knew, you know, all those things were just, they were native to me. Um, and I knew the value of finding the correct support system and that it takes a, a lot of trial and error. Um, and I, I felt particularly in the world of pain where um, it's very complex, very personal, very time intensive and creates a lot of frustration and burnout on the point of the physician too because of all of those things. There was a lot of opportunity to create software in that area 
that could scale that pain care. My background, other than being a patient, was one, a storyteller. I was a news producer for about 15 years. And two, a product person. I was really good at building software from like a product management perspective from ideation to execution that people love to use. Um, and so when I originally created the concept for Ouchie, which is our product, um, I wanted to meld those two things, right? The idea for people to have a place where they could take control of their story around pain and then have a positive impact using technology. I didn't realize I was creating a healthcare product. I originally thought I was creating a consumer product for chronic pain patients. Um, and I think if uh, I had been create, known I was developing a healthcare company without any sort of traditional healthcare background, I may have done things differently, but that naivete kind of served to my advantage and that I just kind of let the uh, situation direct me as opposed to the opposite way. And so I created a product first that people really love to use. We just released it and had thousands of people using it. And then we would discover along the way that there was an enormous interest from the healthcare side of things and the payer side of things to build something similar to what we were creating. And that's when it started to develop that there's real potential therapeutic value and potential provider impact in scaling what we've created into the health system. Maybe help us understand. So Upside Health, the, the Ouchie application says it's a pain companion. What do you mean by that? Because pain isn't something that is visualized necessarily all the time. I mean, there's, there's components of it that depending on your condition may be, but there's also subjectivity to it as well. So tell us about what Ouchie is doing to tackle that, to be the pain companion for the patient. Yeah, so I think for a very long time, um, pain was just seen as a symptom. Um, and most doctors and health systems are really good at dealing with disease progression, but symptom management is really hard um, because most of the symptoms happen not in the doctor's office, uh, particularly with long-term chronic illnesses and diseases. Uh, and pain in particular is really hard because there are so many different types of pain sensations. It is invisible in most cases. It shows itself in waves, it could show itself constantly, and it, um, there's no real good way of tracking it. Um, you know, they've been trying to quantify pain, but uh, there are many instances where the brain is still sending pain signals and there's no longer a pain cause. So for all those reasons, we wanted to create something that one, would allow for no one to hurt alone. Right, so the idea of acknowledgement and recognition was really important in the Ouchie product. Um, two, that would give patients a way to understand their pain and allow providers to better understand their pain. And three, allow for intervention for the patient based off of what's happening at that particular time. So it's a mobile application, free to download from iOS, Android tablet, um, and patients are invited to start a pain journey. And what that means is you answer a series of questions similar to when you go to a doctor's office. And a lot of those are based off of promise metrics or outcomes measures or what doctors ask you. So what hurts? Not what the cause is, but what's 
bothering you, right? Because that's sometimes the cause has nothing to do with that. Uh, what's the pain sensation? Is it burning? Is it tingling? Is it uh, throbbing? How does it impact your mood? How does it impact your sleep? What have you been able to do? I actually, sorry for interrupting, I'm looking at your screenshots on this, of the application itself. It's beautiful. It looks so user-friendly in a way that is something that like, I can tell right away that like, if I were to log to, to open up this app, I can see all of the different ways, like, all right, it's identifying what hurts. And as you're describing the different types of like feeling and being able to visualize that. And then as you're saying, okay, not only just sharing, understanding that for yourself, but being able to share that information with your doctor, that's actually huge in our world, uh, you know, as far as like patient reported outcomes. And that's, uh, that's massive. So please continue. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no. So giving, well, I think a lot of the thing too, is like, if you're, if, if you're new to experiencing healthcare issues, right? Having the right language to communicate effectively with your provider is enormous, right? So we're giving you one, some of the language, right? Like what does the pain feel like? And our pain scale, for instance, isn't just numerical. It corresponds with words. So like frustrating, distracting, things that you are probably more likely to use as a comparison than a two versus a seven. And then brain fog is a huge deal when you're dealing with pain. Um, and having correct recolle recollection of what your pain was um, and what your symptoms were or your mood or your challenges at a particular time is really reflective. Because if I ask you what your pain level was like three weeks ago at our last, like between our last appointment and what was making it better or what was making it worse or what are your challenges? I don't kind of remember. Um, and so this creates that record. But what the challenge with pain is because there's such a psychological aspect and element of it. Um, and focusing on pain can actually have a detrimental effect of making the pain more severe. It's really important that after we ask all of those questions, we then redirect the patients. So, because in, in other things like uh, diabetes tracking or heart disease tracking, um, tracking your HbA1c levels is not going to make your HbA1c level worse. But like focusing on your pain can actually make your pain worse. So after we ask all of these questions, we use cognitive behavioral therapy um, prompts, like what are you most grateful for? What's one thing you were able to accomplish yesterday that you weren't able to accomplish? If your pain were 50% less, what would you do differently? And it is moving the patients towards these particular micro accomplishments or goals um, together with the social community. So the profile that you just answered yourself, you know, wh what hurts, what the mood, all of that will deliver you to a supportive group of individuals who are all going through similar challenges and you get rewarded for cheering each other on. Um, and then also direct you to integrative wellness resources that um, respond to your particular needs at your particular times. Um, so you're one, like I said, not hurting alone, but there's also some sort of action item that you can do. And those types of integrative wellness content, whether it's meditation, exercises, uh, art therapy, activities, personal stories, those are really hard for healthcare providers to scale. 
there's like questionable ROI right now for them because they can't always get reimbursed for introducing them to their patients. The attendance is sometimes crappy, excuse my language, because you're asking pain patients to come in to do more things, but they've been proven to be really successful when it comes to outcomes. Uh, So it was really important for us to like deliver that uh, and not ask patients to use like 12 different tools for the same problem. Uh, And also we found that that's really important for healthcare providers too. Like they don't want to have to introduce and integrate one tool for tracking, one tool for integrative wellness, one tool for, you know, it's just, it's hard enough to get one product, let alone seven products into their system. Um, How did you go from having a degree in journalism to providing this integrated one-stop shop for pain? I mean, you've done a beautiful job being articulate about what Ouchie does with Upside Health and weaving together, you know, your personal stories with your mom, your brother, yourself, mm-hmm. and where we are now. What had you with a degree in journalism doing this? Was there like an aha moment? Can you walk us through some of your professional history? Because a lot of our guests, like you, they don't start in healthcare. Yeah, I'm, well, so I was a, a journalism and French major, but I was also a biology minor. I was pre-med in school. I worked in a hospital uh, in Peru when I was in college. And I actually like had, they needed some extra set of hands. I had no formal degree, but they, uh, God cut his hand off and I had to sew it back on. Uh, So I've always, and I learned how to give x-rays. So I've always had an interest in healthcare. I've always um, I had a particular interest in patient care. Um, and I thought that, but I didn't know if like the, that med school was going to be right for me and that side of patient care. So it was always in the back of my mind. I, be, I believed I was going to be a healthcare reporter um, and telling the stories of patients and exposing those things. I ended up just being in local news so I did tell those things every so often, but most of what I was talking about were like bank robberies and fires and that, <laughs> that sort of thing. But when I was in news, I was always on the digital side of things. So I was always on like the working on content management systems and teaching people how to encode videos and finding the best way to tell visual stories beyond just TV. And so even though it doesn't seem like a natural transition, I was, I feel like I was kind of like leading up to this. I just didn't realize it. Um, In between the news side of things, I was recruited to help start a digital media company. And I was the second employee there, I believe. Uh, And I ended up leading content development and strategy, but that also entailed building digital products, right? And being like the only liaison to our software engineers. The other like side note is my husband is a CTO. And so while some people have dinner conversation around like the economy or something, we would talk software, just listen to him talk about that. And so we decided to build mobile apps together just on the side. So we built- I can relate to that. My husband is a data analyst. Yeah. And we have built things together and have a similar rapport. So I've Fully understand that. Yeah. And so we started, we built a uh, fantasy football app before, like it was like in the, when app development was nascent 
and there wasn't so many. So we built like an, an iPhone app. It was one of the first apps in the app store that was a fantasy sports app. And we created the content together. And then we created a language app, which is still available. It's called Phraseaholic. <laughs> and when we were like, I was like, all right, I have this idea. Like, what, what do we need to do? And that became a business, which is very different than these other like side hobbies. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, I didn't think I was going into healthcare. Like I didn't see what I was creating originally as a healthcare product. I thought it as something to just to help people who were living with pain. And everyone else kind of helped tell me that it was a healthcare product. And it wasn't until you know, we began raising money and we began bringing on a medical advisory board and we started working with doctors really closely that I realized what we were kind of doing. And then it wasn't until really we built the other side of the product. So the consumer mobile application is just one aspect of it, right? We had to build some way for healthcare providers to be able to view and make sense of all of this data. And when we built our clinical portal, and then when we started dealing with like EHR integrations and going to healthcare conferences, and then I was like, wait, this is a healthcare product. When I would have to talk, the first time we had to do our, the, the, what is it, like the technical audit for a health system, like the 12 tab spreadsheet they give you that tells like what you've done. Then I was like, well, we are in a different world, you know, or I sit at grand rounds and present our product. Like that's when I realized we were in a healthcare company and I learned how to talk healthcare. And I learned how to kind of navigate that. And I probably used a lot of my experience from journalism, right? Asking questions, listening to responses, and then playing the part until I kind of got there. So you built the platform on the consumer side to really allow the patients to tell their stories instead of just you as a journalist. So that's you, you almost get some scale and there's definitely a huge win there. And then you mentioned Grand Rounds. I mean, that's got to be a huge win. That's a really, really big deal. You know, tell us maybe about other little and big wins. Are you hearing like personal patient feedback of people having game-changing stories? And what do you think in kind of totality for Upside and Ouchie has been some of your biggest wins so far? Yeah, I think that it's really important to find ways to celebrate the wins, particularly when you have a startup and your like burn rate is never the same as your cash flow and you know your team has totally bought in on the idea and you feel so like I feel so fortunate that the team that I built is as excited about being part of the company as I am who started the company. Um, and so it's really important for us to celebrate them. And so one of the ways that we do that is we actually have a Slack channel, it's like a Slack channel that's just called Good Vibes. And every time one of our users or patients like sends us an email or messages us on something about like how powerful our product has been, we put it in there just so like we have that to look back on. And it's not like for public consumption, although sometimes we use it in like a deck or whatnot, but it's really just for us to know that we are having an impact on patients. Um, and it's, so that to me is like a win. Um, and it's a, it's a daily win, right? Like 
daily we get those types of things and it makes us feel like what we're doing has meaning, even when like we're not signing deals and generating revenue. <laughs> um, the, the other ones are, you know, some recognition that you get. So I for pharma, they have a conference every year and, you know, we were nominated and we went head to head against Pfizer and, you know, all these other major pharmaceutical companies. And we ended up winning the most valuable patient initiative. And that was really cool. Cause I just sat there in the audience, like when they were giving out the reward, the awards thinking like, I know that we built something really powerful, but it was really fun to get that because that was, you know, industry level type of acknowledgement. Um, and then I think the, one of the coolest things that happened was we have been applying for grants and NIH level grants, another healthcare thing that I never would have thought about. Um, and we worked with researchers at Emory to understand what we've built before we could even apply for a grant, right? So looking at all of our data, which is something that looking at healthcare data and analyzing it is nothing that I have experience in. And we knew that what we built had some impact, but we didn't, we've never been able to see it numerically. There was a statistically significant decrease in pain score amongst our users. And that was like, whoa, like we did something that, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like people who feel supported and who are more compliant to their treatment, like all of those things make sense. But being able to see it was a really, was a big win. Now our big, now our wins and trials is like, taking the meetings that we've been having like with all of these health systems and actually closing the deals. And that's hard because technology moves at a very different pace than healthcare. So that's been something that's been like a major adjustment for us trying to navigate those two things. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but we wanted to let you know about a way you can support Hit Like a Girl podcast directly. We've partnered with patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, as a way for us to connect with our listeners and fans in a direct way and ask them to support us so we can continue creating more great content like this episode you're listening to. Patreon.com is not so much of a one-time contribution, but more like a subscription to provide support to independent creators like us. Patrons who pledge even just $2 a month give us the stability we need to continue producing podcast episodes. In return for your patronage, we're offering virtual high fives, personalized thank you notes, and even shout outs on our episodes. When you become a patron of Hit Like a Girl podcast, you're supporting our channel directly, so we won't be making podcast episodes for some viral audience or for ads. We're making them for you, our listeners. This allows us to focus on topics related to women, healthcare, and technology. With your support on patreon.com, we're able to spend that time having meaningful conversations and doing more great work that can positively impact the lives of other women in healthcare and tech. So join us on patreon.com and let's make something amazing together. I'm curious about the integration. You had talked about integrating with EHRs and you said you had a clinical portal. And I'm wondering if you have like an API that connects with any, like how is it that you're getting the data from your system to other places where they can use it and, you know, act on it or leverage it? Yeah, so we have, um, so everything on our app is API driven. Um, all of the data is hosted and encrypted, and then it 
you know, when the patients enter the information, it's stored separately. Um, and so we have APIs that deliver things to our dashboard and the same APIs that are aggregating this information can then send it to any sort of EHR um, as like point in time PDFs. And we're working through, and that's one of the reasons we applied for like this grant actually was to like expand and understand the best ways to deliver this data because the challenge is a lot of it's qualitative, not quantitative because pain is inherently qualitative, not quantitative. And that doesn't play nicely within the EHR world. Um, and so what we found is like everyone wants to know we can integrate with EHRs, but they don't necessarily need that to launch. So one of the things is our product is now reimbursable. So reviewing the data that the patients deliver um, and then the patient also using it is reimbursable. And you can get, you, you have all the information that you need to reimburse without integrating into an EHR, right? Like we're tracking it all through our dashboard. But once you start using something like that, they need to have it into their medical records. So how do we do that? And that's part of what we're exploring right now and trying to find like a cost-effective way to do it without like paying redox every time we want to make an integration. That makes sense. And also thinking about like how the clinicians use that data because they get overwhelmed, right? I've heard where folks are like, you know, we don't need to have all the results of your Fitbit data. And not to say that this is anything like it, but I imagine that the amount of data that's out there could potentially be overwhelming. Pain is not the same, but how do you, how do you identify um, the information that is the most useful or that should be leveraged within the healthcare system, like, I guess, at the right time? Well, I think that that's a, a still a question mark. And I think it varies so much from provider to provider. Um, and it varies so much from specialist to specialist and also who is going to, so for like which stakeholder is going to be reviewing the data. So like the NP or the medical assistant versus the healthcare provider versus the population health people versus like it's so different and so we built something that that's pretty dynamic the information in the ehr is like the the bare minimum is kind of what we put in and the idea is that that's not for necessarily reviewing it's for documentation so it's so that there's like a record that this information was gathered is kind of what we see so kind of set it and forget it like if anyone ever wants to review it great. There's their pain score, their medication usage, their most recent treatments, and any notes. Like, that's it. Our dashboard does a lot of data visualization. And so it looks at correlations between pain level and mood and medication usage. And it's also a lot of comparative data. So how your patient group compares versus everyone on Ouchie under a variety of categories. But that's one of the learnings that we have, right? Is like what what is valuable to you? And here's all this data and if this is important. I think one of the things that CMS, the Center for Medicaid Services, has been really big on is saying reviewing this data is important and reviewing this data saves money. And so we are going to reimburse you for taking the time to review this data. And that's new. And because they're now reimbursing for it and providers are incentivized to do it, um, 
there's opportunity for us to give more data. Um, and I think there is a big thing too about like validated tools, right? And like what validated tools are you using to assess pain level? Um, so we used a lot of validated tools to determine like what questions we need to ask. Um, I think, like I said, there's like the bare minimum data that's required to bill, but then there's the extra data. We thought about um, integrating wearables, for instance, um, and it's val it may be valuable data for the patient, but the same thing for the provider is like it's a question mark. But also, there's not enough um, general usage that it makes sense, right? So. Some people use Jawbone, some people use Fitbit, some people use a heart rate monitor. And so it's really hard to get a base, like a standardized baseline and spend the money integrating something that only 10% or 5% of a provider's patients use. So the, the data is challenging. Um, I think that when there's a specific use case, it helps too. Like if we're like with you a very targeted group of people um, who you're following, but that's something that we're, we're learning about. Have you identified the quality measures within the value-based care? And, you know, we think we are looking at MIPS programs specifically, yep. but you know, all of the um, patient reported outcome measures and kind of tracking those or like, are they on your radar and are you working with, I, th I would imagine you can, talk to clinicians like, hey, if you want to track this information, you can, one, here's a new reimbursable code for you. If you have a um, great performance rate on these particular, you know, outcome measures, with our, which are highly valuable, that it could affect their Medicare reimbursement and, and then, you know, just on a grander scale than item by item. Yeah, we mostly have been targeting um, and the two kind of things here. One is we haven't proven that yet. So we haven't proven yet that we can improve their or like a health system's outcomes measure measures. Um, we're looking at that um, in a primary care setting with a pilot that we're thinking about. Um, and same thing as a cost reduction. We're looking at how we can reduce um, ER visits, uh, hospitalizations, those kinds of things. Uh, so that's been one challenge we have, just because we haven't, you know, had enough saturation. We started as a direct-to-consumer product. The second thing about outcomes measures is a lot of them are inpatient, what they're more concerned about. And we haven't explored inpatient utilization. We've thought about introducing our platform pre-surgically and seeing how that impacts, you know, hospitalizations, system usage, all of that afterwards. but. Pain patients, the biggest challenge in patient is not not knowing what's going on, but having the appropriate care on staff, right, that are like not hospitalists to deal with pain. And we kind of explored how we could do that, like from the 30,000 foot level, but we're so also right now need to focus on like the existing situation to realistically uh, tackle that quite yet. And so I feel like a lot of people, or at least from my experience, is like, like yeah, I don't know, that's a, that's a nice to have. Outpatient outcomes measurements that are nice to have, not a need to have. And a lot of the healthcare providers I spoke to, like, they want to innovate. 
but they don't want to take the risk, even if it's a low risk thing. Like they're all of their process and procedures kind of get in the way from them actually innovating. And it's important that they have these processes and procedures for high risk things. The but for low risk, high reward things like ours, it can be a kind of a challenge. They're like, well, what have been what NIH study documents have you done to prove this? It's it's common sense what we're doing, right? Like, <laughs> it's and so I feel like that it's hard because it's almost not necessary, right? Like, the what we've built is based upon well documented principles for just presenting it in a new approachable way and allowing providers to have these tools for their patients to scale their care. And to me, it seems almost like a no brainer, but we'll have to go to like 12 different meetings and compliance wanting to get in and well, is this going to be too much work? And I completely get all that, but just give it to your patient and see what happens. I think we can't have a conversation about pain without talking about the opioid epidemic in America and what's going on, whether it's, you know, the MIPS measures now for prescription drug monitoring, uh, the, the more pervasive use of drugs like Narcan, uh, just schedule two drugs in general, right? Can you tell our listeners about maybe either your perspective or where you guys dovetail in that space, if at all, and kind of what your take is on it? Because part of what we do in our job that makes money deals with some federal work, and we're in the process of looking at an RFP, and I'm thinking about your product and how it could be utilized to help be a more proactive tool and resource for patients legitimately dealing you know, with, with pain uh, that have true need. Where do you guys play in that space of this, this crisis, or where do you think you could play better in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think there's actually a lot of different areas where we can, we will, and we do play. One of them is in the role of effective opioid tapering. So you, know, you can't pull a patient who's on too high level of opioids for a long period of time without giving them the resources and support necessary to do that um, smartly. You know, there's a big pushback on how long-term opioid usage is not effective. You can't take patients who have, that's the only thing that's worked for them or they believe will work for them for long periods of time and not give them any of the support or resources or care that's necessary, or you're going to have them finding illicit drug use and, and not, you know, having a lot of failure in their care and their outcomes. Um, and so that's one of the grants that we've applied for is, you know, how, what role can we play in providing additional support and how can we effectively track what's happening as these patients are weaning or tapering. The other areas I kind of mentioned was the introduction of it pre-surgically. So that way patients are exposed early in the process to non-opioid or non-pharmacologic interventions that they can feel comfortable with and rewarded for, you know, because we reward patient compliance with rewards, actually, like physical rewards. So, you know, using contingency management early in the process to allow for lesser prescriptions. And then the third thing is what you spoke about, is really understanding more specifically the patients that are truly in need and are functioning effectively on 
opioids or any other like class two drugs. Um, and those that may be at high risk for drug seeking behaviors or opioid misuse disorder. And through our tracking, but also the qualitative insights that we gather from responses to questions, their social interactions with others, their um, openness to trying the integrative tools on the platform and using those when prescribing as both a, I want to say like, like a protective mechanism, but you know, in some degree, you know, you have a record of what these patients are doing and you can easily say like, nope, these patients are high pain level. Like they're trying meditations on the app. They're spending time and supporting others. Their mood is relatively calm and controlled versus someone who we've offered this app to is not trying anything and is continually trying to seek high levels of drugs. So part of what we deal in our piece of the puzzle is the utilization of the prescription drug monitoring programs across states. Mm -hmm. um, and now they're talking about people marketing, just getting them signed up for, but querying them. There's also a um, broad evidence to suggest that, you know, that doesn't, it, it's failing the majority of the time to find the drug seekers that don't have legitimate need or inappropriately abusing medications like those. And so any plans for you guys to integrate on this big push from the federal government with PDMP in any way to integrate some of that into your platform? Because I think we see that a lot, especially in border states, right? People having to really stop in two places to check PDMP if they want to query in some of these things. We've talked to a couple of the leaders in the space who have already integrated the PDMP data and how we could potentially be like the next step or the intervention based off of that data. And we'll see how those talks progress. But I'm not sure if like given our resources, we can single-handedly handle that based on the size of the company. But like, yes, I mean, we'd love to. I mean, it's, the idea is that like, it seems like that's part one and then we are part two or our data could also be integrated. I just like where we're at right now, it's, it's a big Mountain. You know, I think when you think holistically about the problem, that's, that's the thing, right? There is no silver bullet and there isn't always an order of step one, step two. I think you guys play a critical role in the holistic management of pain, whether it's someone who's abusing a drug, someone that has legitimate chronic need and is trying to do their absolute best to, you know, just have the modalities they need to feel better on a daily basis or gain some relief to know that you're integrating and playing and all those important pieces of the puzzle are that there's consideration to, I think is really exciting because there's, I think, you know, even for a patient doing their best, that's still having these symptoms you really need to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it to see what is effective in a lot of cases or especially people experiencing this early on. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is that like it, by creating a structured um, protocol of sorts for these patients, you're able to analyze efficacy, you know, and make decisions um, appropriately, but you're also able to allow the patients to see the progress they've made thus far. Because a lot of these non-opioid-based treatments are time-intensive, they're expensive, they don't work right away, and you might not see the impact that they've had because of like this whole silver bullet personality. So if providers can work together with the patients and be able to see like, okay, you wanted to go to your daughter's swim lesson every Saturday, right? And 
you have been able to do that over the past two months. And your pain level isn't zero, but before you weren't able to do that. And so you are seeing progress. Or, okay, we've tried this combination of medicines. And you look, and you were frustrated and angry every single day. Like, was that how you wanted to live? You know, you can not only set realistic expectations, but take an honest look at what was working and what's not for a person's lifestyle. Well, it sounds like you have a ton on your plate, right? You're like, <laughs> like the, the thing that comes up for me is like, how do you eat an elephant, right? It's like one bite at a time. And the size of all of the things you're trying to tackle is really enormous. So transitioning to our like, next major question that we ask all guests is if you could put your magical hat on and solve any problem, you know, regardless of whether it could actually happen in real life or not. But like, if you could snap your fingers and say, I wish this wish, whatever it is, within healthcare, what would it be? And why? That's a hard question. I mean, I mean, accessibility is huge. Getting the care to the people that need it most, when they need it most, is incredible. I mean, I think if I could solve, like personally, right, with what we're trying to do, if I could solve the problem of accelerating innovation um, within both large systems, but also remote environments, that would be enormous, right? Like if I, if I could shrink the sales cycle from 12 to 18 months to two months, I would be able to do so much more. Uh, we would be able to help so many more people. So that's, that's like a, I don't want to say an easy one because it's not easy, but that's like a, a selfish one as opposed to a, me like really wanting to like eradicate pain. Fair, but that's realistic too because we talk about innovation all the time. And, you know, this whole transition to value-based care, you know, I've used the term of like trying to turn a barge around. It's not something mm-hmm. that you can just, quickly it it happens quickly so we're all kind of faced with these constraints of our limitations and trying to get people on the same page or enrolled in the same idea or rowing the boat in the same direction like even though we all you know you'd like to think we all have good intentions it is really hard to gain consensus and move quickly i would also make i would also make using integrative treatments profitable meaning that like using products like ouchy covering things like massage and physical therapy more reasonably, covering support groups, making pain psychology and making psychology a necessary part of all treatments and not just something reserved for people who identify that they have a psychiatric issue. Like I think that that would solve an enormous problem. And I think that the impact in terms of our wellness and well-being would also be incredible because our population is living longer and we're not well-equipped from a psychological perspective to handle it. It's totally true. We're (laughs) winding down our time together. Tell us, you know, healthcare is so complex, keeping up in your space or just, you know, I guess even for pleasure reading, what are the things you're reading? Tell us what... uh, some of your favorite reads are, and they can be blogs, it could be things you're listening to, you know, what is it that uh, you use to either escape or kind of stay on top of things? Um, So I am a 
From a reading perspective, I actually, like every morning I read The Morning Brew, which is a newsletter that comes kind of has economic, it has all of those just top bullet points. Um, And so I'm a big fan of like email newsletters because I commute on the train. So looking at, you know, just like headlines that way. And then I always read like from just from like a healthcare perspective, I'll read, we're a part of Startup Health. So I'll check out like the Startup Health reports. I'll read MedCity News, like those types of things. Uh, Pain Med News, real, real insidery there. But above all, I'm a podcast listener. <laughs> know your audience. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a podcast listener and I listen to a lot, a lot of podcasts. Um, that's my like escape. That's my decompression time. I have two kids at home. So like my time between work and home sometimes has to be totally non-work related for me to survive. Um, and so I listen to, you know, how did this get made? My dad wrote a porno, which is like hilarious reply all this American life. Um, so it's, it really runs the gamut. I try actually not to listen to like business and work podcasts or business books. My husband's like a huge fan of them, but for me, it like just stresses me out. I totally can relate to that. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If people want to find you, find out more about you or the app, uh, what are your handles? Where are you at? Yeah, so I'm personally at Rachie DT, R-A-C-H-I-E-D-T on Twitter. Um, I am, like, please reach out to me on LinkedIn to Rachel Trobman. I think it's Rachel D. Trobman. Um, And then we're at uh, upside.health or uh, ouchie on everything. And thank you so much for the great conversation today. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. You can find out more about them at www.chirpybirdinc.com.